Yo, yo, welcome back to The Great Date Guy. My name is Rob Wong, and today I am asking four love coaches embarrassing questions about love, about dating. Um, yeah, <laughs> so without further ado, let me go ahead and get started by introducing our guests. Uh, starting with Liv, who is a sex and intimacy coach who supports men, women, and couples to have relationships and love that work for them. Uh, she's a tantric healer and is fully nomadic, so you can check out her Instagram to see her next stop. And I'll be including that, of course, in the description down below. Next up is Anna Ruiz. Uh, most of the people who come find her are struggling with some of the following issues. Constant conflict, nonstop fights, a sense that there's no good way to communicate with each other, or feeling like they're on the verge of separation or divorce. Next is Macy. Uh, she helps smart, single, successful women find unicorn love and she's been featured in the new york times nbc and meetmindful.com of course scott is also here he's a men's mentor transformational coach and he co-hosts the greatest podcast on earth and of course there's also me um you know what to do you know what i'm about uh so <laughs> so without further ado let's go ahead and get this show on the road so question number one what's the most embarrassing thing that you've ever believed about dating or relationships or love starting with macy i definitely won't deny my slutty 20 somethings and 30 somethings where i thought that that was that was what i needed to be to have a relationship i thought who i was was just definitely too weird and not palatable so I would have to be promiscuous. I didn't consciously believe that, but now I know now is that was that was supposed to be funny. I thought it was funny. I think it's funny now. Um, <laughs> so. How was it in the moment? It sounds fun. Like being slutty sounds fun. I uh, well, slutty. yeah. I mean, it's not that it probably wasn't fun, but. Um, now it's just such a relief to know that I can appreciate myself in such a different way and that my weirdness was exactly what my person was looking for. I feel like I had like a different problem, but like sort of along the same veins. Like I, the, the, the belief that I'm the most embarrassed of health back in the day was around, like how I thought that if I got to be like hot enough, like if I changed my physical appearance enough, if I got enough tattoos or worked out enough or dressed well enough, then I would attract the perfect person. And that, that would be the person that fixed me and made me happy at the same time. Um, and it, <laughs> I think that's still somewhat there. There's a piece of me that's very like conscious of how I look and how I fuck. Yeah. Um, but it's also like weird having that belief, you know? Cause it's like, now I sort of recognize that like, even even if I attract an amazing, wonderful person, I, I'm the one who's going to shoot myself in the foot. Like that's that's where that's going to go south. Oof, yeah, didn't like admitting that. Now I'm sort of embarrassed. <laughs> that that was definitely true. Yeah, I, I can relate to that, man. And the most embarrassing belief I had about love was that it was out there, over hmm. there. 
and whatever and that's one of the things I learned about sovereignty and whatever I didn't need when I figured out I didn't need her I wanted her in my life that everything that I needed or desired I already possessed within me and that changed the game for me um, so I when I was a kid I was chasing love and chasing women and chasing everything thinking whatever I needed was out there separate from me and what I realized through this experience is here. I have to be able to give myself the love that I want. I, I need to give myself the hug that I need. I need to give myself the validation, um, you know, love myself. So yeah, that was interesting. Going from out there to in here was a, a huge change and made all the difference in the world. And it's still fucking hard though. It, it really is. Most embarrassing thing. That's it. For me, the most embarrassing belief that I've had, or, and I think the embarrassment comes from like being so far in one direction and then feeling so far in another direction. Now it's like, how could I have thought that, you know? So, um, but I'm also embarrassed. I'll just say what it is and I'll say why, but I, I had a phase that I really thought that any form of monogamy was just like an avoidance of doing work or an avoidance of facing the pain that's caused by polyamory or by sharing your partner with people. Um, and at this point, I really don't believe that's true. Like, I'm really finding that all relationship styles bring up their own pain and challenge to deal with. And it's like, you know, in my own dance of relating, I've explored being everything in between super poly and super monogamous and it's always hard and it's always having me do the work and so um why it's embarrassing too is that I think I think I probably really hurt people around me by kind of questioning them or by having this attitude of like that's I'm judging that that what you're doing is stupid or you're not courageous or you know I think you're just afraid of facing things and like I have no way to know you know and so that it's like embarrassment and then also sadness for the ways that I can see that that belief like distanced me from people in my life at the time when I was holding that yeah I'm super curious like when it comes to polyamory and all these other things in between like monogamy feels so hard but being in those spaces it must bring up so much that it's like I mean, I'm curious what it feels like, like, because for me, it feels like overwhelm and I can, I'm shaking and I can hardly contain myself and I feel like I'm going to die. So I'm imagining the emotions that come up in those other um, ways of relating has to be even more intense. And so I'm curious to know more about that. Yeah, right. Right yeah. now I'm in some degree of an open relationship. Um, I would say that in terms of like sexuality, that my partner is, it's a male body person and one and he um he's definitely the only one of us who's exploring sexually with others but um i we've gone through phases of both like for me what comes up when we're being open or polyamorous is like the fear of you know really the fear of losing him it's like somehow when it's just me in the picture i'm like well if i work hard enough or communicate enough or love him enough like i'm not gonna lose him and that's an illusion in itself, right? But uh, when there's when when he wants to explore with other people, if I don't understand his desire, then there's just like immense anger and confusion and like fear and wanting to throw a tantrum. And 
Um, yeah, it's really hard. Uh, and, you know, I think what I had an experience recently where I really like, I brought someone else to him to have a sexual experience with. And I talked a lot with her. I talked a lot with this other person and I really deeply connected with her just in a way of like understanding her and understanding him and understanding the desire. And my experience of that was like all this love started pouring out of me for her and for him. And it was like that kind of like that, I call it like the eye of the needle when you like go through this deep place of contraction and then pop out the other side. Um, and once, once I felt that I was like, Oh, okay. I think that this really is the piece I've felt in the past that had me lean into being open or had me lean into polyamory is that there is this deeper feeling of love that I think can flow when I'm not trying to like constrict and control my partner or constrict and control how love wants to move. But it takes a lot of communication and like, oh, I, I don't, I'm not at a place now where I'm like, okay, whatever, do whatever you want. Like he's on a trip right now in Colombia, and our agreements are that he's not being sexual with others this week because that feels like just too much for me. I'm already like crying an hour a day, just missing him. I'm like, I'm not up for facing like, you know, more than that. So it's like a big negotiation process mm. yeah yeah so it sounds like it ebbs and flows like and it's cool because i'm also hearing that you have agreements which has to make it somewhat easier like before he left you had an agreement that he wouldn't be or you both agreed that he wouldn't be sexual and you're struggling now thinking about or you know, you feel sadness around him being gone and you couldn't imagine him being after this conversation or during this conversation you can imagine him being with another person and mm -hmm. also i think i heard you say was you brought someone to him and was that like an agreement like or i'm curious to know more about how you found this person and why you brought her to him like that feels really interesting like you're just walking around and you're like hey man i think this my partner to dig this chick and I'm going to, or whatever, this woman, this man, whatever, and I'm going to bring her to him and uh -huh. like as an offering. Um, I'm a big part of a, a school. It's a shamanic, spiritual, sexual school. So they don't teach Tantra per se, but uh, we do a lot of work that's spiritual and shamanic and involves sexuality. And so uh, it's called ISTA, the International School of Temple Arts. And I was at one of these trainings with him. So it was already in an environment where people were open to having various kinds of sexual encounters, sure. potentially, I mean, within their boundaries, but it's like there were spaces every night, kind of like a conscious play party that's called a temple. Mm -hmm. And so there's an option at that event every night that you can engage in whatever kind of activities you would like to create. And so he shared that he had a desire to just be really expressed and be surprised and to share his love more freely. And um, we kind of talked about various people who it could be, and then I approached her. And so mm. that, long story short, that's the context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you.
Well, my most embarrassing belief about love um, happened in relationships in the past, two different relationships where after being together for three months, my boyfriend said, okay, are you ready to move in? Let's move in together. And here I go and move in. And um, what I feel embarrassed about was be thinking that because he asked me to move in, that it meant that we were going to be together for the rest of our lives. And with, and that, of course, didn't happen. And with what I know about relationships now, I can see that, first of all, relationships require work um, and both people doing the work. And also in the early stages of dating or a relationship is what's called the infatuation and everything feels great and we want to spend lots of time together and we think we're going to spend the rest of our lives with that person. And that's really not, not the case. That's infatuation. The old infatuation stage. It's always fun. That's me every time. Literally every time. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to end up with this person. Love Bomb Central, man. I'm coming in hot. Yeah, that is me. (laughs) This woman taught me to put on the brakes, man. Like, slow down, dude. Slow down. It's hard. It's hard, Anna. It's hard, y'all. For me, it feels really hard to not come in super hot. Yeah, and I think that this idea, like, because someone is, like, a boyfriend is saying, let's move in together, like, it just means, like, commitment. Like, like, this is it. This is it for the rest of our lives. You know, what if we didn't have to, like, be so mean to ourselves? And I'm talking to myself <laughs> and saying that. <laughs> um, and the other thing I love about what you said, Anna, was the um, that we, we get to learn about this. This is something that was actually kind of mind-blowing to me how long and this is probably another embarrassing belief but how long I lived winging it in relationships and and just thinking okay well I should just know how to do this and I'll figure it out along the way or it or if it's meant to be it'll just happen when the greatest gift I gave myself in my 40s was I'm emphasizing that because it took me a while um, was to learn about relationships and to learn about myself and to be able to learn about how I am in relationships and where I run away and sabotage and judge myself and weren't able to give myself the truth of what what was what was sexy for me what was fun for me what was um important to me and in and it was a point when I actually stopped the madness of completely comparing myself to Barbie dolls and all these other people that weren't me yeah like Macy over here I'm, I'm nodding yes yes and yes because I also started my journey of learning about relationships starting relationships in my early 40s learning about myself and doing my inner work to have the relationship that I wanted. So yeah, over here like, hell yeah. 
I remember thinking that I should have had this all figured out by like 30. Like at 29, it's like, oh, I should really be in a relationship. And uh, it's like, okay, I'm going to start learning this stuff. But by 30, by 30 is when I should have like finally met the person that I'm going to end up with. And like, it's like strange looking back at that, especially as a That's kid. That's like, so funny. Yeah. I, did, did you ever have that? Like as a kid growing up, it's like by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be like an adult and I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to be married to the person that I want to be married to. And it's going to be fine. Yes. I'll figure it out. Exactly that. Millionaire married. So when I did reach 30, I was face plant on the couch, crying my eyes out, feeling pathetic. So yeah, there you go. I, I think that this is a really good segue into the next piece, which is like, it seems like for everyone here, there's been like a lifetime of dedication to, hey, what is the truth here? What is actually true? What can I learn about humans, myself, relationships, love? And so I'd love to know what you currently think is the most important lesson that you're learning about love or relationships or connection. I think for me, the biggest thing, the biggest piece that I learned was about sovereignty. It was about me not needing someone, but wanting them in my life. I never under, I had no idea that that was even a thing. Like I was super needy. Like I placed everything over there um, and kind of, um, abandon myself for relationship rather than, um, you know, rather than, hmm, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, I put all my eggs in one basket. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and I just see how important it is for me to not do that. It's for me to love myself, you know, and allow that person to be who they are and for me to continue to do the work that I need to do and am doing in the world. And um, she does the same and somehow we meet in in the middle and help one another kind of navigate through this soup that we're all swimming in. Um, so that was a big, that was a big, uh, it was a big shift for me. Like, and that's been very recent. I, I didn't understand how codependent I was and this relationship really showed me to all of my behaviors and patterns that weren't serving me. And it was uncomfortable to look at. It was really uncomfortable to look at myself and uh, I'm super grateful. So yeah, that was a big takeaway for me. Feels like what I'm, what I'm learning is that it's really all about communicating and that unless I give up communicating or the other person does, I can, I can always get worked out and that for people who were in my life as lovers or partners in the past, it's like the heartbreak and the pain is with the ones that I don't communicate with anymore, mm. you know? And the ones where it feels like I just ran into something that, now that we didn't know what to do to get through it. Um, but the ones who I can still communicate with, it's like, it's almost as though the pain or the feeling of loss, it's just like that it's not there. and. Um, so that's, that's what I'm exploring is like, how can I really just be committed to keep communicating and keep showing up and keep clearing it, whatever it is, the little stuff every day so it doesn't turn into a big boulder. Um, and the other thing I'm discovering that feels important and relevant is to take my partner's complaints especially like about me as 
feedback and like as something that I need to grow in. It's like my partner is saying, you know, um, I don't want to call you every day while I'm away. That's too much. It's like, you know, how can I take that as feedback for, okay, I can grow into that. I don't really need to talk to this person every day. It'll be fine, you know? And, and rather than fight, rather than fight back and say, well, no, I'm right. Cause this is what I want and need. And so it's like the balance of truly knowing my needs, but then also taking the complaints that my partner has as feedback for my own growth. Those are the two things that I've been journeying with. I'm curious about that piece that you just said at the end where, so you wanted to talk to him every day, but that what it, that turns out it wasn't really your deepest need. Like in, in, so how did you take the feedback and then drop back into yourself and come to an agreement on what it was that you really, really wanted? Like, did you just find some middle? Lots of screaming and crying and hitting a pillow and talking and talking and you know trying to argue my way through it and then eventually running into something where i was like oh hey remember that thing you're trying to do where you're trying to actually take it and grow from whatever he's saying it's like you know trying somehow that finally came back once i got enough of the emotions moved through my body mm -hmm. um yeah yeah. So underneath all the emotion, once you moved everything, the, the real need or desire was there and it wasn't, I need to speak to you every day while you're gone. It was like, no, it's whatever. I think it was, I think it was more related to the first thing I said, actually, of like, I need to know that just because you're gone, you're not going to just drop off the map completely. Like I need to feel that we are in communication, but we don't need to talk on the phone every day to feel that. It's like, there's some natural you know it's like maybe three days is too long maybe you know maybe a day two days okay maybe it depends on what's going on each day it's like sure. i needed to know that you would respond to me like if i said you know it seems yeah. extremely growthful but oh my god like the emotions it's intense yeah, well, <laughs> yeah one of the things like in, a, in our men's group we have this thing like when somebody's giving you feedback or they're giving you their opinion or criticizing you whatever it is man you put this shield up and you know some of it's their shit some of it might be for you so you put it up and then you get to decide what you want to take in and what's yours and what you want to leave over there that's kind of what i was getting like that's that's cool like it's not it's not a fight it's just like hey man this guy or this person has something to share with me and i want to listen and what i i'm gonna listen through my reactivity or whatever it is my trigger and to hear if there's something of value in here for me and you know we can work this out like mm -hmm. civilly <laughs> to some degree you know if it's possible mm -hmm. so yeah that's cool super cool put your shield up superwoman bracelets whoosh, shit flying off the bullets flying off i love it so i think for me my my two key learnings about relationships are well, the first one, when, when my partner and I, like, I used to be really scared about conflict and, and I would just like freeze and couldn't do conflict and how, um, I've, I've worked through that part of myself. And when we have conflict about something, um, we actually 
come, I mean, we talk about it, we own our part. And um, while it feels extremely vulnerable, um, it also has created just so much more depth of intimacy. So, so conflict can build intimacy and it feels amazing. Um, I, I almost want to go and tell the part of me that used to be scared, like, girl, you were missing out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then the second one, um, just having an experience of how relationships can be healing and how sometimes when I get triggered about something and I can see that it's actually not about my partner, but it's it's something about my mom that I haven't healed. Or when he gets triggered and he can see that it's something about his childhood and be able to hold this space for each other in our trigger and offer comfort and safety in a way that whatever stories we had, um, that part of ourselves that we rejected and the other person loves it and accepts it, um, it's just incredibly healing. And to be able to do that for each other, um, in, in many ways, we are, we continue to heal and heal things from childhood that are gonna be a life journey. Yeah, I'm curious when when you're like, the, so as you practice that being a safe space for one another, time and time again, you're building the muscle. It does it get easier as you move through conflict, or it, is there? It just depends on situation by situation. Um, it's situation by situation because because we're doing that work, then we feel safer, then we allow ourselves to bring out even more and more layers that were not there before. So, yeah, so there's the small things, we resolve it, resolve them a lot quicker. Um, and there are bigger things that start to come out and that again, we resolve together and on to the next one. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I can see as you talk about this, your smile gets bigger and bigger. And I, when you talk about safety, and I could just see how, like when you talked about intimacy, how you, when you spoke to your younger, the younger version of you, how knowing what you know now, letting her know that man, you were you were kind of missing out by not being vulnerable, by not you know sharing this part of you. It's really cool to be able to see it on your face when you're sharing with me or sharing with us right now. It's it's cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that reflection, Scott. Yeah, you're welcome. You were sharing what came up for me was like, yeah, she's right. And like the first thing that happened was like noticing the mommy issues that were there, which was also just like another fucking thing that I didn't want to admit were there. It's like um, I had a session with my therapist earlier today and he was like, I have the, like, I noticed that I have this pattern around, like, don't tell me what to do. Like, if anyone's, like, trying to control my behavior or feels that way, just, like, get the fuck off. And then, like, going back, it was, like, okay, why is that there? And it was because, like, I think my mom needs to control her environment and other people in order for her to feel safe emotionally. And so that was, like, most of my childhood. And, like, in adulthood, I am in, like, vehement reaction to that. Um and beginning to piece through that is, is has been really helpful for 
like beginning to see, okay, why does this conflict take so long? Why is it so intense? Right, mommy issues. It's, it's fuck me, first of all. But second of all, like this is this is important work and I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah, that was great. I'm glad you said that, Rob, because <laughs> part of the um, challenge I noticed that I've had in my relationship, I've been with my husband, Larry, for, well, married for nine years together for 10, I guess. Um, and the greatest thing that I've gotten from this specific relationship is being able to really like learn about each other. I mean, really learn how to be better for each other. And the first year of our ma marriage was terrifying for me. It was like completely horrifying. I thought I was like 10 minutes from going to jail every weekend, I felt like, because I was just like, I would feel so <laughs> freaked out by like being in the relationship and and the things that I used to use as strategies like you know go fuck yourself and like leave that was not in the in the repertoire anymore and one of the gifts that we that came out of those experiences was to remember why we were together I mean we adore each other we're you know freaking frack like we're just a really fun match and yet you know I I know when I get stressed when I get scared like I'm a complete asshole and so when we started learning about each other's things and he has his own stuff like and everybody has their things so he is you know he was a guy who was um definitely bullied as a kid and bullied by his older sister and and had a lot of health issues so there was a lot of different things where you know when I go into controlling mode because that makes me feel safe then you know he would just completely resist me and so we created a map and it was this we called it the choose love map and we just had like love above our relationship as cheesy as it sounds, it was like, we noticed that we didn't want to lose a whole weekend not talking to each other or four days not talking to each other or being mad at each other. And so what could we do that would help us get back to that? And it was a really fun, like visual thing to then drop our own old ways and hear each other out and then adding in a lot of other tools along the way. But um, I will say that, you know, over the time that we've been together, it's a constant journey of, you know, learning new things and different things happen in our life. You know, he went through a cancer scare and had years of healing from that. And, and I'm now in my 50s and noticing my body's changing and I'm like, oh, wow, it's not the same as it was before. And so being able to have the skills and the learning and the tools to check in with each other and learn, learn about each other and, and invite, how can, what can I be for you that 
makes it easier for you to be nice to me <laughs> and, and adoring each other in new ways. So it's, it's not what I thought. I thought, yay, I found my person and here we, I got it. Um, I figured it out. This is my life now. And it continues to grow. Cool. I want to copy of that map. And it usually works. Yeah, it's just yeah. remembering to do it, you know. Yeah, no, that makes it makes sense to me because the woman I was speaking about earlier, one of the yeah. somebody said to me, I heard them say, "Hey, tell that person I love that about you." And I started doing that, and in practicing that, like I really started to embody it, and I meant it. Like all of her neuro neurotic ways, I would just because I know all of the men in her past would tell her she's fucking crazy, you're an asshole. And I just was like, oh, this is going to work famously. And it really did. She had a tough time believing it at times. But I really felt like when I I really did enjoy those quirky little weird things. And I would express it. You know, I really love that about you. I really love that you're controlling in this way. Because it didn't bother me. Like, none of this shit bothered me. It bothered her more than it bothered me. And I, just to let her, like, to affirm to her, I really do love that about you. It took a little bit of time, but it really worked. Okay, so at this point, the audio that I had recorded was complete crap. So uh, here's here's the last question. For the person listening right now, what's the best tip that you have when it comes to making dating work, making relationships work, making love happen? Starting with Liv. My most valuable tip is to early on, like in the first few times of meeting someone, try to ask questions and expose for yourself as well, like what we would call our shadow. So it's like, try to talk about the things you already know about yourself of like, these are my weaknesses. These are the things I fall into. These are why my past relationships ended. These are the lessons I'm up against. And try to ask the other person about that. Um, because my advice is that it's really important to find somebody that you can actually, that you can do what Scott was just saying, that you can love all those crazy things about them. It's like, I've met people that very quickly when I saw their shadow, I was like, that I, I'm not up for that, like just for whatever reason. And other people, it's like, totally easy, no big deal. Or like, well, that sounds hard, but I'm willing. Like, And so I think if we can start that talk earlier, there's a lot of honesty in that and it saves a lot of um, surprise down the road. I think for me, it's like, if you're getting into the field, understanding that like, there are no magic bullets, no one really has the full answer. We're all kind of taking stabs in the dark and we have theories about what works. Um, but I think there's some freedom available in that too. Like you have full freedom to be as messy as you need to be inside of this space. No one knows what they're doing. And as long as you can remember that, you can also keep playing the game. And that part is important to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, I, when I, when I meet someone, I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I always say I'm, I'm a fucking really nice guy and I'm an asshole. So I kind of just lay it out there like, yeah, don't, you know, I'm, I'm a dick sometimes, absolutely, and I'm a super nice guy. So it's kind of the shadow. Yes, it's there. I am not always, you know, on my best behavior. I'm going to be an asshole sometimes. And uh, just leading with my heart, 
leading with my like non-negotiables or asking someone to read a book on the first date with you know that's really important to me and then being curious i think being curious about them and uh yeah short and sweet i'm a nice guy and i'm an asshole lead with what i need and want in relationship and then be curious about them and what they want and need I think my most valuable uh, dating tip is uh, going to dating, knowing what are your deal breakers in relationship, um, also known as your your no negotiables, so that when you meet people, um, it's just so easy to go on a date and be like, oh, this man is so handsome. Uh, we have so many things in common, but really is that list of deal breakers that's going to tell you whether that person can um, is, is going to be a good match in terms of relationship with you. Like if that person is going to be like, um, a, a right fit for you. But I think so often we, like, I see people getting distracted by, oh, we, we just have so many things in common and he's so handsome and I'm just ready to date him. Um, but then that person really doesn't have like those, those no negotiables, those deal breakers, which are going to make it or break it, um, down the road leading with those non-negotiables. Yeah, I love what everyone shared. And I would add that um, to take the pressure off, I like to say play, play into love, like really in, let dating be fun. And it takes a while to get to know someone and not needing to determine, is this my person for life? on a first date like give it space for you to discover because even people will say oh i'm this on this on this and they're not that so it's not you know something you can qualify necessarily i do think that you know you can get a really good idea based on you know how people share what they love to do and what matters to them but really give yourself some space enjoy your life I also like to say how you love your life is your love life. So, you know, when you're having fun in your life, when your life is full, when you're doing those things you love, you are attractive. It's less significant. Like, is this person going to work? You know, it's like you just you're having fun in your life. And that to me was what I felt like was my biggest success in meeting someone great so that I had really great life happening and I was doing a lot of fun things for me. All right, kids, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for listening and for being here. I hope you got something amazing out of being here today. Um, as always, uh, <laughs> we're going to be back here Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you like the format that we had here today, be sure to leave a comment on the podcast or something. I don't know how that works. You, you probably understand better than I do. Uh, dr drop a comment down. Um, and if there was a particular coach that you resonated with, that you felt connected to, uh, their message spoke personally to you, I'm linking their information down in the description below. Uh, I think that's the format that this is supposed to be in. Or maybe maybe it's the description above. Either way, you'll be have a direct link to them so you can communicate with them further about what they believe. And if you have any questions, I, I think that they'd probably all welcome those from you. Uh, so that's it. I love you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Peace.